All right, guys, let's let's go ahead and get started. If everybody wants to find a seat, and we'll get started. Uh, I'm going to pray for us, and, and uh, we'll begin. I'm sure others will join us as we go on. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, so much for the blessing of this day. Uh, Lord, we thank you that John could be here with us today as well and to share about the ministry of RUF. And uh, and I know he's done this many times, but you know exactly what we need to hear to to understand this ministry and to support it. And so I pray that you would use him as your vessel to communicate that to us today. And we pray that in all these things, Lord, that, that you would be glorified. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, as you guys, uh, John Dunning is with us. Uh, he's the um, director. I don't know if he's that. Sure. Yeah, okay, director. He said that sounds good. The director at uh, K-State, a campus minister, I guess is the proper term. And uh, we, we support a lot of different missionaries in terms of praying for them. But, but John is the only ministry that we actually support in prayer and finances as well. He's sort of the first missionary that we picked up and uh, we're supporting somewhat. So it's uh, really important that we understand exactly how we can uh, encourage him and, and know more about the ministry. So if you haven't gotten a handout yet, there's some handouts in the back along with the card if you'll grab those. And I'll let John come and, and share about the ministry of RUF. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, it's awesome to be with you all. Um, I actually pray for you all on a weekly basis on Sunday mornings as a part of my preparing for church time. And so it's good to be actually be with you, praying for you, but actually being with you this morning. I'm going to um, open this up with prayer, and then we're going to talk about college life and campus life and everything else in between. Father, we thank you for um, this day and this time, Lord Jesus. I'm grateful to uh, once again be in this space. Um, to remember that, that, that you are at work building your church, Lord Jesus, and you are faithful to provide for her and faithful to lead her. And we um, pray that even now as we talk about the work of RUF, that it would be in that context of the growth of your church and the building up of your church. Um, the gates of hell will not prevail against her, Lord Jesus. And we rejoice this morning living with that reality. Um, Father, guide us in our time together this morning. Amen. Amen. Well, it's good to see you guys this morning. I want to, on the back table somewhere, there's um, these brown envelopes with um, cards in them. Um, just to, I'd love for to take, take one per household. Um, and no matter what, I'd love for you to take one. Actually, there's a picture of my family in there um, that you can stick somewhere that you want to pray for us. I'd love for you to do that. And then there's a, there's a card in there with some ways, specific ways you can be praying, but also ways to connect with us. There's a QR code on the back. Take a picture of that with your phone. If you don't get our newsletter, it's uh, email or electronic or actual. And you can click on that QR code with your phone and it will pop up to a form, which is just filling out your name, address, and email address and stuff so you can be in touch with us if you're interested in following us. But again, I'd love for you guys to take one of these just so you can be praying for us and kind of keep up to date. Um, I find that the more people remember um, where we are and who we are, and even our faces sometimes is helpful to, to remember to pray for us, and that means a lot to us. We couldn't do what we do without the work of the Lord through your prayers, so thank you for that. Um, so if you have a handout, um, I want to start this morning by talking about our work on campus, by asking what seems like um, a really bloated question, and the, the bloated question is, what is the university? Um, I want to start here because what I'm, what I'm realizing, I was thinking about this on the way down here, actually, 
asking, figuring out what we do and why we do what we do is really grounded in what is this thing that's the university. So that's what I want to start there this morning. Um, and so I have a bunch of quotations on this page that I'm actually going to read for us. Um, each of these is from a, a fictional account, a, a book, that, a novels that I've been reading or at least started. I don't tend to finish books, but I at least start them. Um, and these are all um, so from a variety of sources. Um, reflecting on this question, what is the university and what is it there for? Why do we have the college system that we do, at least in some way, so from the, the first set of quotations is um, the most recent book that I've just finished reading. It, it's called um, Stoner. It's by John Williams. It's about a, it's actually Stoner. William Stoner is the, this fictional um, prof, prof, English professor at the University of Missouri in the early part of the 20th century, and it kind of just follows his life, and it's a, it's a fascinating book. It's rather disturbing at points, but um, so the context is we're following an English professor basically from birth into his first experience in college and then into grad school, and the quotations that I have for you actually from one, another, one of the other main characters in the book, um, and he's reflecting with him, he and his three, two friends, these three guys who were all in graduate school at the time, are reflecting on what is the university about? Why do we have this thing, and what is it here for? And, and their answers are really fascinating to me. Um, the, the first answer is that it's a great repository, like a library, where men come of their own free will and select that which will complete them, where all work together like little bees in a common hive. The true, the good, and the beautiful, they're just around the corner, in the next corridor, they're in the next book, the one you haven't read, or in the next stack, the one you haven't gone to, but you'll get to it someday. And the next answer that they give in this conversation is that, that the university is an instrument of good to the world at large, of course, and just incidentally to yourself. And then the third, uh, much more cynical response is that the university is an asylum or a rest home for the infirm, the aged, the discontent, and the otherwise incompetent. <laughs> so we're going to talk about these in just a second. I'll read the next one, and then we're going to pause and to discuss. The next one is from... Wendell Berry is sort of like this weird farmer guy who's a farmer and a poet. If you're not familiar with Wendell Berry, he's a fascinating guy. Um, one of his better-known novels called Jaber Crow is actually about the town barber. Um, but part of the learning about the town barber is he spent some time in a, in a, in a, in a basically in a, um, how do you describe it? He's in a group home, like in high school, and then he goes off to a Bible college because he thinks he's being called to the ministry, and then he ends up at the university. So he's kind of comparing those, those three schools. But he says this about the university experience. And it, it, think of something like a University of Kentucky, I think is sort of the, what's in the background here. The university was trying to be the world of the future, and maybe it has had a good deal to do with the world as it has turned out to be. But this has not been as big an improvement as the university expected. The university thought of itself as a place of freedom for thought and of study and of experimentation, and maybe it was in a way. But it was an island, too, a floating or a flying island. It was preparing people from the world of the past for the world of the future. And what was missing was the world of the present, where everybody was living a small, short, surprising, miserable, wonderful, blessed, damaged, only life. So let's pause there for a second. We'll come to the third quotation in a minute. But as you hear those reflections, again, these are all fictional accounts, but I think there's a lot of truth in there. What do you hear being said about what the university is for? Why, what people get out of it, and how it thinks of itself? What's anything stand out to you all as you think about these, as you hear these things, these descriptions? And feel free to reflect from your own experience if, um, if if you have it. What do you guys, what do you hear in those in those statements? 
What's what are they saying about why we have college and what it's there for? Kind of looking at that first quotation and then when the very way the way it thinks of itself is really to complete people. Yes. And to, as it says, build them up for the future. Yes. But it does have probably those blind spots of it's it is it is very easy to be removed from the rest of the world yes. and also to not care about in some ways the lives of the actual students it's more concerned with their academic absolutely academics than the whole life their whole life that's really well said that's really well said what else do you all see it's also not supposed to be not only for the good of the individual but to improve the world uh-huh. too as well uh-huh. Uh-huh. so big dreams yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> grand visions about changing the world we, we actually hear that I, I chuckle every time I hear it but I actually hear that on campus a lot <laughs> like you're here to change the world I'm like wow no pressure <laughs> <laughs> what, what else do you guys see anything else stand out to you it says that it's a you know Wendell Berry's second quote there says it's a freedom it's a place for a freedom of thought for a, like a, uh, a study and exp- study and experimentation in a way but it's also a flying island so it's also kind of a the university a little isolated? Yes, yes, yes. Anything else catch your attention? It's interesting, isn't it? So so we go from the very first quotation from Stoner, you know, that it's it's a place of information where people go to get their minds filled. You know, to they go to get their um, their curiosity satisfied, um, or, or some variation on that theme. Um, and, and what's interesting is, you know, last spring break, um, almost a year ago now, the students were away for spring break, and they were told, don't come back yet. And then they were told, don't come back yet. And then they were told, come back and get your stuff and go back home. And one of the things that we learned, a friend of mine liked to say that one of the things that we learned is that we're not brains on sticks. You know, that so, so to see the university, and what we mean by that is that the university experience is more than just about information and filling your head with knowledge. And that's what we learned as students really struggled in a lot of ways with that transition to like being all online last spring was the realization of like, if, if we were there just for information, then that, that model would make sense because you watch your video lectures, you take notes, you take your exams, and then you go on to the next thing. But the real, the reality is, which we, we knew, but it just sort of became much more apparent with, with the realities of COVID, is that as soon as we were reduced to that, like that was not enough, and that wasn't working. For, and the students deeply struggled with that, to be honest with you. Like, probably like all of us, if you were in a work situation where you were like all of a sudden at home all the time and not used to that, or, or some other, you know, some other change for you. So that's one of the things that comes up in that. Um, you know, we, we laughed a little bit about the instrument of good for the world at large, you know, that and, and the Wendell Berry quotation, both kind of these grand visions, like we're going to change the world, we're going to make the world a new place, we're going to fix what's wrong, and, and y'all, it's going to be on y'all to do it, is what students hear all the time. Again, no pressure, um, but that can be really overwhelming, but that's certainly part of the, the, the picture there. That, that last quotation from Stoner it made us chuckle rightfully so, um, but it's interesting when you think about it from from a from a view from the, from a distance or or even from inside of it, you know I think there's some truth in that. In that, you know I, I think it's easy to look at the, the the those true academics in that context is a little bit weird, 
you know, it's sort of like stuck in their own ideas, stuck in their own world, stuck in their own realm of thinking that has very little contact with the reality that each of us live in a day-to-day life, which goes to the isolation thing that somebody brought up as well. Um, I remember my sister, when she was in school, she went to a small private school in the South um, for college, and she said that she and her friends would describe their life on campus as like living in this bubble. You know, and, th- and there's this question about does the university connect with the real world or not? And, and there's certainly this feeling. I mean, you know, for the four years, the four or five or six years, or however long it takes students, sometimes um, when they're in college, it's like you're you're surrounded by people that with it were that are within two years of your age for four years, like in a way that you have never been before, in the way that you will never be after that time. And, and there's there's a there's a there's an isolationness to that in terms of being from the from the rest of the world. And there's just sort of this. It's easy to get stuck in thinking like, oh, this is great, this is awesome. I always have friends, and I have a community. And then you have like I remember some of my friends moved from Ohio after they graduated to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan to Escanaba, Michigan. And if you've never been to the UP, as we call it, because I'm from Wisconsin, if you've never been to the UP, there's nothing up there. <laughs> like. It's beautiful and it's gorgeous and it's and some people love it. But my friends like moved to this small town where they're in this church and there's nobody within 10 years of their age. There's no small groups, which what they were what they were used to in college. And they're like, what do we do? <laughs> you know. And and so it's like there is this question like, is the university a real place because of that? I want to look at the third quotation. This is from um, a book called I Am Charlotte Simmons by a writer named Tom Wolfe. Um, and if you have the stomach for it and want to get a glimpse, it's a few years old now, but want to get a glimpse of the university life, read this book. But I'll just warn you ahead of time. It, it, it doesn't hold many punches in terms of what college life is like. But it follows this young woman. I think she's from Appalachia, and she goes. To, she ends, she's really bright, and she ends up at a school that's something like a Duke University, so a small private school with a good basketball program. And it follows her experiences there. But this is earlier on in the story, it says this, um, again, you'll pick up the context, I think, from the reading, but she says, Charlotte only wished she were still in the middle of the test. At least for that hour, she was part of a group of human beings all doing the same thing. At least she had been completely engrossed in a task that made it impossible to think of how lonesome she was. Loneliness wasn't just a state of mind, was it? It was tactile. She could feel it. It was a sixth sense, not in some fanciful play of words, but physically. It hurt. It wasn't merely that she had no friends. She didn't even have a sanctuary in which she could simply be alone. And I included that because that's sort of like the experiential and emotional side of what the university is like. Um, Students are desperately lonely on campus, especially now, but even before the pandemic hit and the realities of what life was like. That I, I, When I read this, it's been a couple of years now when I first read this, this book, and it, I was just like, that's, that, put a finger on something. The idea that, that loneliness would be something that they could actually feel physically. But even this tension of like, you know, she, she, at least for the first half of the book, she wrestles with being so desperately lonely. And yet even when she needs time, when she needs time by herself, she can't get that correctly either. And that's this weird situation, whether you're on campus or you're in an apartment or a house. Like, that's this tension for, for a lot of students, is it's like, I'm alone, I don't have any connections, but yet there's always people around, too, and I don't know how to deal with any of those things. Um, and so that's part of the reality of campus life as well. And I would add to that, um, a few years ago I started thinking about what I see in students' lives, and, and loneliness was one of the big things, but there's two other things. Exhaustion is the other is the other key thing that I saw. 
Um, again, when you're told day in and day out that you're going to go change the world, that really can weigh on you, believe it or not. Um, but but even even more than that, and this has been a change since I was in school 20 some years ago. Um, I remember talking to a, a freshman who I who I had known. She was a part of our church in KC before we moved out to Manhattan. And and as a freshman, she was stressed about the internship she was supposed to get for that next summer. And I was like, wait a second, you're you're a freshman. And she's like, well, yeah, that's all they talk about in my class is that I got to get an internship, so I get another internship, so I get another internship, so I get a job eventually. And it's it's this pressure to be involved in clubs, to be leading clubs, multi, not just club but clubs, to be to do well really well in the classroom, and then to, to figure out how to do internships to get experience and and all of that stuff is is really good stuff, but it leaves our students exhausted to the point that there's this pressure on them that everything is about their performance. And, and, and it's not just at a place like K-State, it's, we, we see this across the country. You know, increasingly it's like, I gotta do this, 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 and this to get to the next step, to get to the next step, to get to the job, to get to the next job, and so on and so forth. And it's, it's frankly overwhelming. So students are lonely, students are exhausted, but the fascinating thing is students are also bored, is the third thing that I came up with. Students are lonely, students are exhausted, but students are bored. And, and the, the boredom comes from, I think we all probably experience this on some level, the boredom comes from the culture in which we live, where entertainment is at our fingertips, literally. You can stand in line at a grocery store and watch a movie. Like, literally, that's, that's not fantasy world anymore, that's reality. Um, you know, you can, you, you can always be connected with people, you can always have something to distract you. Is, is part of the life of, the, of our culture at large, but even more so in the university. It's just part of the world we live in. Um, and so where that leaves students is it's, it's, they're searching for something, they're searching for satisfaction, they're searching for entertainment, they're searching for excitement. And because everything is so, or at least faint echoes of everything is at their fingertips, it's like, oh, I don't need to do anything. To, to, but then they realize it doesn't satisfy. And then where are you left? And so things like learning how to actually risk in relationship and learning how to sacrifice for the good of others isn't part of this, the, the set of things that they could be doing. And so they're bored. So they're lonely, they're exhausted, and they're bored is, is what I see in the, in the university life. Um, and, and just jumping back up the very thing, I think, Ryan, you touched on this, or somebody touched on this, but I, I think it's dead on. That's why I love this quotation is, Given all these realities, what Barry's telling us is the university is, is, is simultaneously stuck living in the past and in the future. And sort of to extrapolate from what Barry is saying, what, what I mean by that is there's very much the view towards we're cutting edge, we're, we're, we're looking to do the new thing, the next best thing that's going to change the world, that's going to make life better for everybody. Everybody's trying to figure that out, whatever your department is. But there's also this realm in which we're also stuck in the past because we're trying, rightfully trying to learn from the past and grow from the past. And, and, you know, and so we, anal we constantly analyze what's happened before, and we're constantly striving to figure out what's going to happen in the future. But what gets lost is what's between that, the present. And so students live in the past and they live in the future, but they don't know how to wrestle with what's happening in their heart and their minds now, and in their very lives now. And, and so that's where that's where we find them is is living in this place where it's like I don't know how to process what I'm feeling right now and what I'm doing right now and what I believe right now because it's all about one of those other two things. 
So if you turn to the back, this is just a kind of a basic outline of where I want to head uh, with the rest of our time this morning. Uh, so given those realities, why go to campus? Um, and the, the four things that I come up with, and, and I also need to say, I, I have the, the sheet that you have, and I can't remember all the details of what I was thinking about last night when I made this, <laughs> but I think I can get there, so bear with me. Um, why go to campus? First of all, it's a place that is true and real. As much as there is a there is a veneer over life when you're a college student, and as much as it is separated from the rest of life, and like the, the, the daily life that you all live with bills and responsibilities and stuff that students often don't have, the, the reality is campus is a place that's true and real. Students are making real decisions, they're wrestling with very real questions, and they're trying to find very real answers. Um, and, and what that means for them is, um, so think about it in, in this way, you know, in the last five years, um, we had a student lost her mom to breast cancer. We had a student whose dad has been fighting cancer since I've known her. Um, we have students wrestling with divorce, their parents divorce after 20 years of marriage. We have students who are getting in, themselves getting engaged and getting married, which is exciting. We have students that have come to school with one definite plan in mind and two years in are terrified because they don't see that as a viable plan and they're trying to figure out what to do with the rest of their lives. Um, and, then, and then you have students wrestling with things like they, they come to college and discover marijuana and alcohol and they don't know what to do with that. Um, or sometimes they don't do well what to do with that and it impacts their lives and the, the, the decisions that they're making and they're trying to figure out life. So, so in, in that sense, you know, I like to say that the university is very much a real place where there are real questions that are being answered that have real consequences to them. And they're wrestling in ways that are that are vital. So we, we, we want to be there in in that spot. We want to be there in this time where the, they're they're open to talking about those things before they're on their set course. I, I you know I, I, when we lived in Casey, we had a few friends who were family. Oh, thanks, Rick, who were family doctors. One of them was a pediatrician, and one of them was both. They were both in med school when we first met them wrestling with what they wanted to practice next. And one of the guys is a pediatrics doctor now. And his comment was, he said, I'd rather, I'd, rather, I'd rather help people learn healthy habits from a young age than deal with old people who are stuck in their ways and stuck in their habits, and I'm just trying to figure out how to help them sustain their existences. You know, and there, there's obviously legitimacy to both, both pursuits. But it, but it stuck with me in the sense of like I'd rather I'd rather have these conversations before the habits are super ingrained with these young people, and help them figure out what to do with that and how to navigate that. So, the university is a place that's true and real. Um, the university we have to admit that the university is also a very unique time and place in students' lives. Um, they are for many of our students many students that show up at K State they're away from home for the first time for in an extended way, so they're trying to figure out that. Like I said earlier, there are around 20,000 of their peers who are all within about three years of their age, and they've never experienced that before and will never experience it again because that's just not the rest of life. Um, they're trying to figure out everything from how do I do laundry uh, to how do I make sure I get enough sleep to how do I get my work done. I mean, all those things are coming out, so there's this uniqueness of that. Um, and there's a uniqueness, too, in that... Um, being separated out in the way that they are in this unique spot is why IRUF sends campus ministers to campuses. Because in, some, because in some ways, because of all those realities of the uniqueness of their situation, it makes ministering to those students present some unique challenges because of their way of life. 
um, if you think about it like this, if you think about, so students are basically with us, give or take eight months out of the year, three months in the summer, a month at Christmas. This is this is super rough. It's not doesn't work out this way directly. So so they're, they're on campus four months in the spring, fall, and four months in the spring, roughly. And in that, if they're if they're fine, if they find and become members of a local church. So they're there for four months, but really of those four months, they're probably going home three or four times during those four months. Probably at least many of our students go home two or three times at least during the semester. And then they sleep in or they go to a football, you know, they stay all late the night before, so they miss church. And so the realities of a local church having the resources and time to, to reach into the, all of those complexities of their lives can be challenging. Again, it's not unheard of for sure, but it can be challenging. And so what, what RUF is about is we're about being, and I'm going to come back to this in a second, but we, we want to step into that world and live in that world, the uniqueness of that world as much as we can as an extension of the church, not to, not to be the church for the student, but as an extension of that in their lives. So there's uniqueness there. As we've said, we go to campus as well because it's what's needed, because students are lonely, exhausted, and bored, and they need the gospel. They need to know that they're not alone. They need to know that the gospel is true. And they need to know that there's a life of sacrifice and service and love to which they're called, that they can't live on their own, but it's but Jesus is the only one that will satisfy them. And so it's what is needed. Um, and then there's a fourth element in terms of we go to campus because it's what is strategic. And what I mean by that is um, because students are where they are in life, there's a, in the uniqueness of the time that they have before them, they're asking questions, and, and honestly, many of them are, will, are willing to wrestle with things that they, for the first time in their lives, and, and they're willing to talk about it. They're, most of them are not set in their ways, at least they don't think they're set in their ways. And so they, they, they want to ask questions that they may, you know, so they stay up late and ask questions about the meaning of life and about predestination and about all this, does man really have free will and why evil and all those kinds of things that come up. Um, and, and so there's a strategic part in that, but, but even more than that, um, when you think about the university being a place where literally people from across the globe show up in the middle of Kansas, it's like, why would we not want to be there? I, one, of my, one of my first semesters, we had a student who was kind of on the, had fringe involvement with our ministry, who was from Iraq. Um, and <laughs> the eye-opening experience was, was sitting in our living room, his name was Shant. And sitting in our living room with a bunch of, um, let's just let's just be honest, white suburban kids um, sitting around, and Chance talks about being kidnapped and held for ransom, um, which is why his family's no longer in Iraq, but they had to flee to Jordan. And like, like in this moment, I'm like, okay, this is what we got. <laughs> you know, it's just this hilarious time of like, like this is, and he was, he was laughing about it, and he was, he was, he was not physically harmed or anything like that. But obviously, that was a lasting experience for him. But it's like that. And, you know, I meet someone like Shant, and I'm like, how on earth did you end up at Kansas State from Iraq? Like, how on earth did you find your way to the middle of Kansas, of, you know, of all places? But the, the Lord's bringing people from all over the world. There's a, there's a Saudi national who used to call me father because he knew I was a pastor. Um, and he was just kind of this kind of jovial, kind of nominal Muslim. But, but like, it's like, how else am I going to meet this guy? But I'm on the campus, and, and that's, where, that's what life is. And so there's a strategicness to, to seeing the gospel at work there. So given all of that, what is RUF and what are we doing on campus? Um, if you want to turn in your Bibles, you can to Matthew 28. 
Um, I'm guessing this is probably a familiar passage for some of us. Um, Jesus has risen from the dead. The authorities are trying to figure out how to extend their cover-up. In the I think in the section right before this, but then we get to the last four verses of the book of the book of Matthew, Matthew 28, beginning of verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and meet, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the very end of the age. This passage has sort of been on the forefront of my mind since we've been there. This is our eighth year on campus, and this has been on the fourth, been really on the forefront of my mind because of, of what it what it reminds me of in terms of these three things. And I've broken down what is RUF. Um, RUF stands for Reform University Fellowship, and I want to break down what we who we are and what we do based on that. Reformed, um, you know, is, is, a, is a statement about our doctrinal connections and our ecclesial connections, our connections with the church. It's about what we believe, in particular, about the Bible and about salvation. That the Bible is the Word of God. That it, that it is not simply an inspirational book. It is an inspired book. It is infallible. It is inerrant um, in all that it professes to be true. Um, and it is something that is unique on our bookshelves. It is, it is not some, It is not a man-made book. It is a divine book that was given through men as they wrote, inspired by the Spirit, as First Peter, I think Peter tells us in the first or second, second Peter. Um, so that, that is, that, that's part of what it means that we're reformed, but it also means that we, we proclaim the gospel. That we and that we believe the gospel is true. You know, when we look at the end of Matthew's, what Matthew says, or what Jesus says in, in Matthew 28, um, the reality is Jesus rose from the dead, and that's a game changer. And, and that's truth in, in in such a way that that we don't get to dissect that truth. We get to be dissected by that truth. That that truth is something that stand that extends outside of us and that applies to who we are and what what it means to live our lives. And so that's that's the first thing that that, that we would, that I would say is that that's part of who we are. We believe that the gospel is true and that students need the gospel. Um, the, the second thing is, Reform University Fellowship takes place on the university campus. It is where we go. And what I what I love about this passage is, is that where Jesus begins and where Jesus ends his statements in in verse 18 and then in verse 20. He begins in verse 18 by saying, "All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me." And then he says at the very end of, of verse 20, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. There is no place that Jesus is not at work. There is no place where he does not have authority. We're going to talk about this in, in a moment in the, in the sermon in, in Psalm 110. But that's why we feel free to go to the university. We, we go there because Jesus is already there doing things in our lives as students. Um, if it were up to me, I would be horrible at this job. You know, if it were if if we were doing things that I came up with on my own, and we were doing things that that was in my power, nothing would happen. But the reality is, you know, when when people pray and when God works, I run into students that I've been wanting to run into that I haven't seen for weeks at a time, and all of a sudden they come walking down the sidewalk. That literally happens all the time when I'm on campus. Um, this also means that we're on campus all all the time. 
um, you know, part of our commitment is, and it's been a little bit challenging as of late with some of the restrictions and such, but um, my intern and I, we meet students on campus, we hold our Bible studies on campus as much as we can. We want to be in places that are a part of campus life. It means we go to basketball games, it means we go to football games, it means we go to events that are on campus, uh, lectures. Um, I, I remember going, taking a group of students to a university, it was a university, like this panel discussion on sexuality in college, not having any idea what was about to happen. Um, but we showed up there with a bunch of students, and I'm like, hey, we're going to go see this and see what happens, and we're going to talk about it afterwards. And it was, it was fascinating just to see what was presented to us from the university's perspective, because it was a student panel. And then to re- help our students wrestle with, okay, what do we do with that, and what does this mean, and how do we apply this? So we're, that's just part of life. And so, for us to, to, because that's where God is, and that's where He's called us to be. And then, uh, thirdly, um, we're a fellowship. Um, you know, and, and that means a couple of things. Part of what it means is that part of our work is to actually get students in the same place at the same time as much as we can. Um, and so we do a lot of things that are. Um, kind of random or, you know, we play game nights, we've had to do that online with Zoom, which is a whole other challenge, um, but it still works. Um, And even things like helping students figure out, like, how to get to know each other and, like, how to build relationships. This may sound really strange to, to to you all, but students need to be taught these days how to get to know each other. A lot of our students need to learn, like, how to have small talk in a way that, like, I can actually, like, get to know somebody that I don't know yet, that I didn't grow up with, or that that is brand new to my life and I don't know what to do, I don't know how to understand or relate to them. And so we, we actually, we set up, um, for a few years, we set up these things that I called it embracing the awkward. Um, and we basically said, sign up for that. We told students what was going to happen, so it wasn't, a, it wasn't a bait and switch. But we said, okay, we want you to sign up for this thing. We're going to pair you with somebody. We want you to spend half an hour together sometime in the next week, or in the next two weeks. And then after two weeks, we're going to reshuffle the deck if you want to keep going, and you can do it again. Because we're like, I don't know that our students know how to do that in a way that, like, to hang out with someone and get to know them, even on a surface level. And it was awesome to see it happen, to see students learn how to, like, just, you know, we gave them some prompts, and we've done several things since then to get to work on the same idea. But it's like, we want to put you in a situation where everybody knows it's awkward. And so let's just put that on the table and say, we're just going to try this and see what happens. And so we paired them up, and they got to know each other, and then they did it again. And, you know, that led to some great conversations, and it's led to some really neat relationships and friendships growing out of that. Um, but that's part of what, what we're there for, is, is to help them rela- learn how to relate to each other. And, and all of that points to the fact that we value the church the way that we do. I said earlier, RUF is not on campus to take the place of the church in the life of the student. Part of RUF's commitment is that they'll only be on campuses where there is a local PCA church for our students to connect to. Not that all of our students are PCA by any stretch of the imagination, but we want to we want to model for students what it looks like for my family and I to be actively involved in our local church and for them to have a place to go and land. We want them to we want them to see that to, to begin to think about like my friends had to learn like how do you connect because when you get out of college. There's not going to be 50 student people your own age to hang out with for Bible study. There's just there's just not. And and so we want them to begin thinking about like so what does it look like for me to be a part of a, of a local church and to see that model and have that expectation when I'm done with my time in college for that to be it. 
but but the third part of that too is a lot of the our commitment to the church is is why RUF sends ordained campus ministers to the church. So I'm, I'm a member of Presbyterian. Um, I'm a teaching elder in our denomination, and that's important to us. You know, the way I explain it to students is, so if I go crazy and start saying things that aren't true, people are going to hold me to account, and they're going to deal with that. They're going to deal with me, and you need to know that I have accountability. And, and I want them to know that I have responsibility outside of them, and I have connections outside of them in ways that are healthy and, and ways that they can see that. And again, most students don't, I mean, frankly, where, where they are, they just don't care. <laughs> But it's important for me for them to know that, and, and I think that they get that in that sense. And so that's that's what our UF is. So just kind of wrap it up, and I want to see if you guys have any questions about anything you could ask. Um, so what does a what does a week look like for us? So right now, um, classes started last Monday, and for the first two weeks of the semester, K State is all online. And so what that means is students are generally back in town, but everything they do is on on, on computer. The, I think the idea is that they would come back in quarantine for two weeks. And so then after two weeks, so the second full week in February then, the idea is that um, they would be somewhat in person, but uh, have kind of hybrid model of classes. But but on a given week, so Tuesday nights are what we call a large group Bible study. So these first two weeks it's online, but after that it'll be in person more online. Um, so we it looks a little bit. It, it, we want it to look a little bit like a Sunday morning gathering, but not take the place of that. So it's a much simplified kind of situation. We don't do the sacraments on campus. Um, we we you know we I do a sort of a call to worship. But we we sing a few songs and then I preach every Tuesday night on campus. We do that in the union, um, and then we have small groups that meet throughout the week that will get started once we're back in person. And then my intern and I are meeting with students one-on-one -on -one during the week. We do so, and so that's kind of a, a regular week for us. So staff meeting Monday morning, Tuesday night group Bible study, small groups are meeting on third Wednesday or Monday and Thursday this this fall this spring. And then we have social events that happen throughout the week or throughout the month, each month, um, and other gatherings. And and like I said, a lot of our our efforts right now are geared towards helping students navigate this weirdness of like we have to wear masks on campus. We can't we can't eat in the dining halls with a lot of people, and so we're trying to figure out way, how to how to navigate that and help them find connections with each other. So, anyway, I talked for a while. Um, what, what, do you all have questions about anything? So, what percentage or, um, of students do you think are plugged into local churches that you work with on a normal basis? That I work with. I think most of our students go to church when they're in town on Sundays. <laughs> is the best way to answer that. That's a great question. Um, I would say probably probably in the 90s, 90 percent. Um, that being said, um, a number of them go to larger churches where membership is not even discussed, <laughs> um, and or if it's discussed, it's sort of like it, they don't can make that connection, and so they go to places where they're not really known. And so that's kind of how we talk about it. And go to a place where the, where the Bible is taught faithfully, where the sacraments are are administered, and and where you where you can be known, and where you can learn how to serve. Um, and so, but again, it's being in a place like K State, where a good chunk of the student body is from within two hours of campus. Mm -hmm. So between Wichita and Kansas City, it's over 30% are from those, these two areas. So they go home once a month, once every six weeks, and so it's, it's a challenge. But I think most of our most of our students, if I asked them, do you have a church home here in Manhattan, they would say yes. Okay. That's a great question, though. Yeah. Let me answer, but, yeah. What else? 
Tell, tell us about the intern. I mean, what interns do you have? Oh, yeah, yeah. Do they play and stuff. Yeah. It's not just you, right? No, it's not. Yeah. That's a, I'm glad you asked that because um, there's actually some exciting news there. So we had... Um, so REF has an internship program that's a two-year it's a two-year commitment. It can morph into three if the intern and the campus minister desire. But it's college graduate, so you finished finished with your undergrad. You apply for the internship, and, they, and the REF sends you to a campus for two years. And there's a um, there's a reading program that they're doing. So about a, a quarter of their job is to be spent reading and learning and growing, and then they're on campus. And so we've had. Our, our second intern will finish her two years this May. Um, we had John was our first intern. He came three years ago. Or two, he came two years ago and just finished up this last May. And then Emily came a year ago and she'll finish up her second year this year. She's from and it's great. Uh, John is from. John actually grew up in Iowa and his parents now live in Missouri, so he made sense. But Emily came to us from uh, outside of Montgomery, Alabama. Um, and was you know it was kind of like it was funny because when I first talked to her she was waiting she had, was interviewing for a job teaching um, but RUF had deeply impacted her life she went to school in Mississippi um, RUF had deeply impacted her life and she's like I think I'm supposed to do this and it just turned out the Lord worked in her heart and so she came to us in two years and so our, the interns are there to um, to assist the campus minister in the work. Um, and to so she meets with students a lot, especially women, um, a lot. Um, she has them in her home. She hangs out on campus, and and the beauty, one of the beauty of interns is um, they just have more freedom than I do. And so, like John, his his second his first spring, um, he he worked like a 90-hour work week during during the week before finals because students just wanted to hang out. And like I can't do that because <laughs> I have three kids um, and other responsibilities. But it's like this is beautiful, and and the the great thing is you know they still talk to John and he's he and his wife live in St. Louis now. But um, but the exciting thing is we just had a student our first student from K State has applied to the internship program and had his interview Wednesday, and so we're waiting to hear back on how that goes. But we're excited to see that um, to see our students. You know, and, and because the goal of the internship program is not necessarily to be in full-time ministry afterwards. A lot of folks will do that as sort of like, should I be in ministry? Yes, I'm going to seminary after that. But like John and his wife, um, he works for Boeing now outside of St. Louis, and his wife uh, was a database administrator, I think. Um, but he was just like, I, I loved RUF, and I want to kind of learn and grow and, and get some time of, of more spiritual growth before entering the workforce. And so a lot of young people will do that as well. That's a great question, though. Right? And so they're they're invaluable to, to have them um, because I mean Emily is 23, 24. I'm 46. Um, I'm ba I'm basically the age of my students' parents. are pretty close, um, which is you know my daughter's 16, and we're talking about colleges because she's a junior, and so I'm freaking out on multiple levels. Um, but like I feel that. Um, and so that, to have interns there is, is has just been invaluable, and they they raised all their funds to be there, um, and just, it's been a blessing to have them. So that's a great question. There. I appreciate that. Also, you want to know about campus life or what? Anything else you're wondering about? How do you work? Like, has it been hard coordinating with the college itself because of all the COVID rules? Mm -hmm. I mean, it sounds like you meet primarily on campus, or not primarily, but at least. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's been interesting. Um, K State is. Um, I really appreciate the lengths that they've gone to be careful. Communication has been hard, <laughs> and, and especially for us because being a public institution, 
I know that they've they've felt a little bit weird at times, even outside of COVID, in terms of like what to do with someone like me and mm -hmm. my relationship. So we're we have to be a registered we're a registered organization, so we're legit. But I'm just kind of like a community person or something like that is kind of how that works. And so it has to happen a lot through students. But it's that's been really challenging for us because like you know the the example is the key example, and this again the people praying this was awesome. So last August. Students were coming back for the first time since March. And the first week of classes is always like, there's people everywhere on campus handing out information. We call it tabling. You set up a table and the table becomes a verb. Um, and you hand out information, you meet new students. Monday morning, classes were starting at 7.30 or 8 o'clock or whatever classes started. The first day of classes, I got out of bed and I did not know if we would have permission to be on campus yet or not that day. Because we have to register at our table. But thankfully, you know, again, because people were praying, you know, it, it happened and we were able to get there on time and we had a really good, really good morning. But like, it's, that's kind of prime example of like, I'd, I'd put my put paperwork in ahead of time and like asked and they're like, we're not sure, we're still working on policy stuff, we'll get back to you, we'll get back to you. And then Monday morning I get the email, it's like, here we go. Um, but, but it's not all that to say... Um, it's been voiced, you know, I've been in meetings where I've, I've heard administrators from K-State voice at least some recognition that they understand that it's good for us to be on campus. I mean, K-State is a very Christian-feeling place. There are tons of ministries happening everywhere. I don't go into a coffee shop and not see like six Bibles open, like literally every day that I'm in a coffee shop around town. It's just part of the culture there. And so K-State has an awareness of like I mean, because I, I, I would even be as I would even say I think I think folk parents like to send their kids to K-State because of the Christian ministries that are there. Like I think that's I think that's part of the decision making process for some families. And so and I think K-State gets that. It doesn't always feel that way, but I think they get that. But again, being kind of not university official for me personally, it's like that's there's a weird relationship there. So anything else you all want to know? What else you? Yeah, yeah literally. Check Sorry, I'm taking off so I can hear. You're good. Um, so that's actually what I was going to actually talk about. How do you, I guess, how does RUF handle just the, I mean, students like to jump, students like to jump around yeah. campus ministry to campus ministry based on that. How do you handle differences? You know, I mean, some are great, some are not so great. How do you handle just that, yeah. I guess you could say that tension or that, that yeah. commingling? How do you handle that? Um, in, in some ways, um, we're small enough that I'll take anybody, <laughs> which sounds really goofy, actually. That's not what I mean, um, but it's sort of what I mean, um, to be honest. Um, I think it's, and some of this is my personality, so we don't have membership like a church has membership. Um, and so like I'm not exercising formal discipline when my kids screw up. Um, you know, And so in that sense, I want there to be a freedom to come check us out and see what's going on. You know, we have some students that will go to multiple ministries. I mean, that's a common, and that was happening when I was in college, and I know it happens all the time now, where students will kind of pick and choose. I want to go here for this, and go, here, go to this ministry for this thing, and go to this ministry for this thing. And, and honestly, to, to get to your question, Ryan, I think I'm trying to answer it. Um, on one level, I'm like, if they show up and hear the gospel, uh, that's all I want, you know. And, and I, I'm not going to push them in that sense. Um, but but at the same time, students that want to be involved in leadership or that want to be leading a Bible study, like we're gonna have conversations about like we want you to be committed to RUF. 
and we want you to understand why, and we want you to understand why we do what we do. Um, but what I've found is, um, you know, in a lot of ways, like students will find us, and they will articulate, y'all really love each other, or you know, like there's 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 community here, there's family here, there's connection here that I really appreciate. And there's one girl, um, you know, she's a junior now. She's from Overland Park, I think, and. And I think she might have been converted through RUF, but I couldn't put my finger on when and how. But like she showed up, this was last, she showed up two years ago, or a year ago, on a night, her first visit was a night that I thought I had the room booked and I didn't have the room booked, and so we had to scramble, like, like I showed up at 7, and the meeting was supposed to start at 7.30, and we didn't have a room on campus, and so we had to scramble and meet in our church's basement. And, like, I just ran, like, this included me running to Walmart and grabbing a bunch of ice cream to try to bribe students to come and make the trip out to the church instead of being on campus, like, all this stuff. And it was, it was just ridiculous. It was an oversight on my part. But that was her first night. And I heard later, like, second semester last year, she's like, yeah, that was my first night that I showed up, and it was awesome. She said, all these people, y'all were having fun. It was, a, it was a great atmosphere. I'm like, we're small. But like, and we're at a place that we weren't supposed to be at. But it's like, this was really cool. And so in some ways, I want students to come and see what we do and taste what we do. And I just want to let it sit at that. Um, you know, but, but, it, but it is a challenge. I mean, there's, there's, there's great ministries on campus. There's good things happening in multiple places. And, and a lot of, to get to your question, I guess, Ryan, too, is a lot of it comes down to at some point, I'm probably going to have a conversation with students about, you, only, you need to make a choice. Mm-hmm. Like, I want you to be at a place where you're known and where you're loved. And and if that's not RUF, that's okay. Um, like, you know, it's especially since we started eight, years, eight and seven and a half years ago, we've always known students on campus that weren't a part of RUF, like whether through church connections or um, kind of friendships of mine or, or some, just some other way that I had connections. And, and I'll try to meet with those those students if if, if they're not a part of our I'll just still try to meet with them once at least once a semester, simply to say, look, we're here. If you need anything, we want you to know that we love you and that we're here to serve you, um, and that we want we want you to know that that, if you, that we're here. And so and that's been that's actually been really fruitful, in a lot of ways. Um, you know, I've had some really neat conversations with with young people who are who wrestled with some stuff and. For whatever reason, they, they felt like they could talk to me, and it was, it was a good situation. So, so what, what about the follow-up? Like, yeah. after they graduate, uh-huh. do you, I mean, ideally they're plugged into a church, but since most of the kids who graduate scatter, yes. they don't stick around, yes. or they're maybe not going back home and going on to other things, do you help them plug into something locally, mm-hmm. or...? Yeah, very much so, um, and it's very much a, like, you know, especially, like, if it's, if it's here or... Or Kansas City, I'm like, hey, you need to check out these three churches. <laughs> you know, like, go check this out and give it some time. And, and we'll, we'll, I'll talk to them about, like, you know, you're going to show up. If, if, so if this, this has been from my experience, um, if you show up at a church young and single, the church may not know what to do with you. And I'll tell my students that, and it's not because they don't like you. It's just because a lot of, a lot of church life in this country across the board is pretty family geared as it should be, um, but I'll tell my students like it's worth it to stick it to stick it out and to, to, to engage and to learn how to engage. But just just so you guys know, it's going to be tricky. Um, but yeah, so we do that. I'll um, and I'll you know I've definitely called friends of mine who are on staff at churches and be like, hey, would you keep an eye out for the student? They're coming. They'll be there Sunday, or they may be show, showing up in the next few weeks. 
Um, that's definitely happened. Um, and so, and if I know, especially if I know people where they're going, yeah, we'll definitely do that. And then I've tried to do a few things, not a ton, but I've, I've, I try to keep in touch with my alum as much as I can, um, just for that purpose. Be like, because I kind of want to hear what their experiences are. And I mean, some of them have really struggled after after being on campus for four years because it's just a shock. Because if you, you know, if you grew up in a church. For 18 years, and then you move to college, and you're maybe a part of another church in campus ministry. Then when you're done, it's like you move into a new town. It's like, like it's really the first time they got to figure some of those questions out. So it's a great question. What else? Hey John, yes. Before time gets away sure. from us, could you also tell us about the man behind the ministry? I mean, just how we can pray for oh, you, sure. your family, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. things like Thank that. You, I mean, it's you've given us a lot to pray for the ministry. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. Um, Pray for us. Um, we've got three kids. Uh, Lucy's 16. Jack is. Th- I'm gonna get. Th- I think I'm gonna get this right. Lucy's 16. Jack's 13, and Dad is nine. Um, parenting is hard. <laughs> um, so pray for us in that. I mean, it, it, you know, outside of COVID, it's hard, but it's been it's been a challenge. Our youngest is a strong extrovert. Our other two navigate okay, but but our, our youngest has had a rough time because he just he thrives on people energy. And we just wanted to be careful. My wife's parents are, are in their 80s and are needing our help on a regular basis. And so we're, we're having to be really careful in terms of how we interact. Um, so pray for just parenting, grace, grace and parenting for sure. Um, and pray for um, wisdom for my wife and I. There's a... There is a blessing and a challenge of being 46 doing campus ministry um, the blessing is like I think I can relate to students in ways that younger guys wrestle with relating to and, and sometimes just from my you know I was, a, I was an associate pastor for 10 years and then I've been doing this for 8 years now um, so I like the Lord's giving me a lot of good experience and insight into, into people and how to care for them and pastor them well um, and I'm, I'm thankful for that. I'm, I'm glad that I get to be 46 doing this. I mean, there's just some, there's weirdness that like when I meet with a young woman on campus, which we always, always meet with, with women in public and, and those kinds of things, there's just, a, there's an awkwardness that's often not there because of my age, if that makes sense, that I'm really thankful for. Um, and it's just, is, is really fun because I'm, I'm like the uncle. <laughs> it's kind of what a friend of mine described it. Um, Sometimes it's awkward still, but often it's not. But it's it's been fairly fun. But it's also it's hard. Like you know, my, my energy levels are different, and I take naps in the afternoon, <laughs> and and I try to go to bed before midnight, um, and um, and so it, it's there's the weirdness there too. Um, I wouldn't trade it for anything, but it's but that would be the other thing I just ask you to pray for. It's just wisdom as we navigate how to do this well and how to. I mean, I mean, y'all, y'all probably, I'm sure there's parallels for all of our lives, but it's like, man, if I were younger, then I'd be able to do X, Y, and Z, or then this would be different. Um, and if I were younger, I'd be saying, if I were older, this would be different. And so it's just the nature of life. But I would say those two things are the big things in terms of parenting, and then just wisdom in that. Um, but just, I mean, honestly, just pray for um, just renewal in my own part, and that would be a daily thing of relying on the Holy Spirit and relying on, on the work of Jesus to, 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 to use me and to be at work in my life. Um, it's easy to, I mean, it's easy to do things kind of by, by um, 
autopilot a little bit. It's easy to sort of like, okay, I got this figured out. I'm good with with doing this. I mean, I've been doing it for long enough that I can kind of know what to do and what to expect. Um, and I want it to be fresh. So, yeah. should I pray first, Rick, and then we'll yeah, some closer time and then let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, so much for John and for the ministry of RUF on K-State. Uh, Lord, it's just exciting to hear the things that, that you are doing and uh, just the, the way that you are using John and the, the various interns, John and Emily and, and others that are coming up. It's just exciting to hear about a possible intern from the K-State ministry itself and Lord, to see the way that you are at work to glorify your name. To hear, Lord, of the conversations that John has with those who are not believers. Maybe the roommate of someone who comes to, to RUF and and uh, just ask John to, to talk with them and to, to see the seeds that are planted in the ways that you are at work. And, and uh, Lord, we just ask that you would continue to be glorified through this ministry. Also pray for John as well, Lord. Is is uh, it, it is exciting to hear the things that are going on, but I'm sure that's that's you know the, his schedule is crazy, Lord, and all different hours, all different things, and how that can compete with family and just him loving his wife and and being there for for those he loves so much. And so I pray for him, Lord, that you would give him wisdom, that you would give him balance, be able to convey to his family how important they are. Uh, Lord, just even his time with you, that uh, you would solidify that, God, and just that that would be the first and foremost priority that, that he would have to, to know you and, and to grow and, and fellowship with you is uh, through the word and prayer and just his time apart uh, with you. Uh, Father, I pray that you would provide for John financially and in every way. Lord, I, I thank you that he's 46. I thank you, Lord, that there's there's weakness in this ministry, that you might be strong and that people might see Jesus instead of John. And just pray that for him as my brother just continues to, to rely upon you and to see you at work. We just thank you, Lord, so much for these things. And pray for him, Trish, Lord, as they, they love their kids and as they parent them. Uh, God, parenting is impossible. It is all by grace. And we just pray for you to, to use them as your instruments uh, to uh, draw their kids' hearts ever closer to you. We thank you, Lord, and pray these things in your name. Amen.